Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hey everyone, Sarah here. As you listen to our episodes recorded during the 2020 global pandemic, just a friendly reminder to check the date stamp on when that episode was released. And we'll also always tell you when it was recorded as well in the show notes and in the episode itself. Things change so quickly these days, including recommendations for health and safety, as well as just our own thoughts and feelings. So you may hear things that feel a bit dated if you're catching up on older episodes. Just know that we're experiencing this in real time, just like you, and that we're working really hard to follow the latest recommendations for the safety of our families and our communities. We're also working hard to bring you timely, relevant podcast episodes in a world that's changing really quickly. So just a reminder to listen with that context. Thanks for being here, friends. On to the episode. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 261 of the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. How are you? Well... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I am here. Here I am. Here we are. So it is May 18th when we're recording this. Um, so we are now fully two months into the stay at home situation. Mm-hmm. And the last time we did a general check in about kind of where we are with everything was a few weeks ago. So we thought we would do that again. And then we're going to get into the bigger topic, which is sort of this idea of Now that things are starting to change, and I'm not even going to label what that change is because I think right now none of us know, Right. um, it's really bringing out a lot of judgment and criticism and mom shaming. And then, you know, the inverse of that, which is guilt and and uncertainty, like they go together, right? Like you can't have one without the other. And I just think that there are so many parallels between this and other parenting topics. Um, the, The general tone has gotten pretty toxic online in some circles. And I just think it's time we kind of like, just, I don't know, like not air our grievances. That's not the right way to put it, but just get really real about the fact that a lot of us just don't know what to do right now. And it's bringing out the the fear and anxiety and uncertainty is really bringing out some stuff that makes me really uncomfortable. And I'm sure a lot of you really uncomfortable. Um, And maybe not everyone is kind of putting voice to that right now because things are so polarized. I agree. And I think maybe what we have that not everybody listening has is we have these wide networks of moms and listeners and followers and our own personal friends. And we really are kind of plugged into the conversation around parenting right now, probably in a little bit more of a zoomed out way, maybe than a lot of you. And we also have a few more years of parenting under our belts than a lot of you. So it's not like we have any answers today. I think what we want to share is some observations about what some patterns we're seeing um, and, and maybe just use, you know, it's coming back to the same conversation about confidence in your own choices as a family and as a mom and dealing with feelings of guilt or dealing with feelings of judgment. Sometimes you might feel on the judgy side. I think that's a very real human experience, but These are themes we've talked about on the show before. We've never 
applied them to something as globally relevant as this. So again, I don't think we're out to solve anything, but we're definitely out to shine the light today on, yes, all of those things that you just mentioned, judgment and shame and uncertainty and fear um, that we're seeing. And I almost feel like it's going to get messier before it gets better. That's just, Oh, I totally agree. I think, I think we're heading into a place right now where because states are opening up at different, at different speeds um, and in different ways that, that this is where it's going to start. Like the cracks are going to start to show as if they haven't already. And, you know, just to point out, and we'll dig into this more later, but the antidote that we've always, I mean, I feel like the basis of this show is that the antidote to mom judgment, mom shame, and mom uncertainty is empathy. And Mm -hmm. you can't get to confidence without having empathy for yourself and empathy for other moms, um, even if they aren't always making the same decisions as you, and even if you find their decisions really puzzling. So I just want us to kind of, I mean, not to say like, we're just be like, hey, green light, do whatever you want. That I don't think is ever our, um, it's never our position here. And also we understand that there are very legitimate reasons why people would disagree with things other people are doing. Um, But I also hope, that we can kind of come out of this going, all right, so maybe we can have a little more understanding for the fact that everybody right now is in a weird place. Mm -hmm. I think you can have empathy and still hold true to your convictions and still um, feel really strongly about the choices that you're making. And I think you can probably even feel judgmental and empathetic at the same time. I mean, that's a little (laughs) more complicated, but I think it's possible. This is, these are real things that we're feeling. Um, before we get super deep, could we just thank everyone for all of the squirrel videos that they've been sending? Oh my gosh. And squirrel <laughs> pictures. And I just love it. We just got an email this morning, actually. And it was kind of like a random grab bag email with like, you know, thanks for the show. I like, you know, Revlon root. Oh yeah. The root touch up. <laughs> yeah. Root touch up stuff. And here's a squirrel. It just made me laugh. Cause I was like, oh, thank you. I mean, it just made my morning. So um, yes, thank you you for the squirrel validation because it is not going anywhere anytime soon. I still just talk. I think 20% of my conversation is <laughs> squirrel centric um, with my family and Sarah. So, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, and actually we got a lot of feedback on the small comforts episodes that we did in general. So thank you for that. Just, I mean, all of your emails and your comments are really helpful to us right now. And we read every single one and we eventually usually reply, but um, just, just know that we appreciate that because yeah, we're not always sure what what you all need in terms of content and what will land, how things will land. So we appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And all the feedback has been really helpful because we want to make sure we're being helpful yeah. to you. So let's check in, Sarah. How you doing? Yeah. How you doing? Do you remember in Mad Men, the scene with Pete where he says, not great, Bob. And yes. he like yells <laughs> and they turned it into like a meme. And we always say that in our family, Brian and I, not great, Bob. So anyway, it's been the last three weeks have been hard. And before I sound super negative, I also mean they've felt hard, like in a broader way, not just me. A lot of what I'm feeling right now is sadness and worry and concern for people that are not in under my roof for you know right. my community and our country. And so, um, yeah, it's it was a hard three weeks. I have felt pretty good the last few days and I'm not sure what has shifted. I mean, literally could be a hormonal shift or just my mood shifting, but I would say things felt just, um, dark and bleak, bleak. And I was seeing a lot of people feel the same. And again, we're recording this May 18th. So I'm talking about basically like since the beginning of May, um, I think one of the biggest things for me is that back in March, we cleared our whole schedule through the school year. Right. And we understood there's no more school for the rest of this year. All the activities were canceled. And and that was hard. There was grief that came with that too. And then it became the expected, what we knew. And as we creep into the middle and the second half of May, I'm looking at the next three months, right? The summer and the start of school. And I'm, I'm just feeling the sadness that comes with that uncertainty. Um, and, and then at the same time that like my state of California has really struggled in some areas, it just has felt kind of hard. It, it felt like, okay, well, I thought this was a time where we'd be able to like have at least a line of sight and it doesn't mm-hmm. on May 18th right now. It doesn't feel like that. Now ask me tomorrow. It could be different, but yeah, it's been a little bit hard over here. Um, how about you? Yeah. 
Well, we're in my house um, doing okay, but I think Sarah, we're both empathic people and we both pick up on the, you know, the general vibe. So I guess I would just say I'm witnessing that the cracks are starting to show and I'll just name off some things that I have heard people talk about in my community Mm -hmm. um, that I have seen people online talk about. Um, Kids are starting to really get grumpy, bored, weep weepy and lonely. Mm-hmm. I've, I've heard from several moms that I know personally who talk about their kids losing progress, regressing, yeah. losing social progress, like really things like they really benefit from the structure of school, or even if it's not school, just having regular time with friends. And now with that going away, I've heard about, you know, kids getting really clingy, kids becoming kind of antisocial, mm-hmm. um, just a lot of that kind of stuff. And then on the flip side, moms are really overwhelmed, like the sameness, the lack of breaks, um, kids are regressing, you know, all that stuff is hard. And then there's this other kind of undercurrent that I don't think it's talked about a lot, but by now some families are broke. I yeah. mean, there are people who cannot work from home and also can't go to work. They're not essential workers, but they're not someone whose job, you know, can translate to an at-home thing, which mm-hmm. um, we're really fortunate that that has not affected us too much yet, right? But like, it, there's a lot of families who whatever whatever aid they got, it's long spent. And that there's the economic hit is big. I yeah. don't think it gets the attention it deserves um, in this overall, like, I think it gets a kind of a, uh, what's the word, like lip service, like mm-hmm. people mention it, like the economic loss, blah, blah, blah. But they're not noticing that there are people right now who right. are struggling. Right. Um, I was just thinking about like how many of these little things ripple. So teenagers, um, for example, like they're really wired for independence. Mm-hmm. They're wired to start moving away from their parents toward their peers. And they can't do that now. And then to broaden that, like in my house and a lot of, you know, kind of middle income homes um, or working class homes, Kids having summer jobs, like that gives teenagers economic yeah. power. It gives mm-hmm. them freedom. It gives them possibilities. Sometimes it's part of their college fund. Yeah. And it's, they, like those really become part of the family's overall um, economy. Like mm-hmm. you make economic choices knowing that your kid can get, can buy themselves a car right. because they can go get a job at, you know, wherever the places that they would get yeah. a job. And right now that's either not available, like the jobs just aren't there, or you feel weird about it because is it okay to send your teenage kid out into the world to work um, fast food or something? Like you can get those jobs right now, but is that irresponsible? So like that becomes part of the mix, I think, in a lot of families decision making right now. And then I guess to your overall point, I feel like I'm talking a lot here, but like about the lack of like, there's not a lot of solid information to go on right now. Everything is uncertain. And we came into this two months ago understanding what we had to do. Like mm-hmm. we all knew. And I think for the most part, like we banded together and did the thing. And there, you know, there's always news that kind of becomes a distraction. And I think a detraction from, you know, when you've got like these kind of extremists that are not doing any of the things, most of us did the thing right. to uh, the best of our abilities. And so we got over this hump and now the question mark is still just as big and question marky. Um, yeah, I totally, I totally agree. Um, and I just, I want to jump in because one of the things that I I've almost been obsessed with over the last like two, three weeks, and I've sent you articles and stuff is I feel like, so we're in this phase now where many parts of the country are quote unquote opening up with a lot of, you know, variants and restrictions depending on where you live and the, the amount of information and guidance on the, in the business sector, to me, at least from what I read, seems very specific. Like this type of business in this County is allowed to open on this date with these restrictions. Now then there, then it's different County to County and all that, but there's a lot of, there's a lot being talked about in how to do that safely, open up the economy. And as it should be, you know, because it's, there's a lot to talk about there. What I'm not seeing talked about at all is how to safely with precautions very gradually expand our family and social circles and gatherings. And for some reason, it's driving me kind of bonkers that nobody's talking about it. And it's funny, in the last week since I have been talking to you about this, I have started to see articles come out that at least acknowledge that we're not getting, we're not really getting um, instruction on how to do that because I think we're not supposed to do it at all. But then what's happening is People are doing it anyway. And that's what we're going to get into later in the show is we're judging our neighbors for what they're for the personal decisions they're making. But nowhere is there guidance on um, 
the the step one, the stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four yeah. is all seems related to business and government. And to me, I just feel like maybe it's because I'm a rule follower, but I feel like nobody's talking about that. And um, if we have, you know, if it's if that's because it's just not allowed yet, that's one thing. But that's not what I'm seeing with my eyes. I'm seeing people start to um, start to make personal decisions around safe, small outdoor gatherings. But I'm not seeing anybody write about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I think everyone feels like they can't write about it because there's no guidance. Right. So we're all waiting for like um, someone to tell us what to do. But in the absence of anyone even mentioning it, people are going to start to do like we are human beings. We are social people. Uh, we want our friends, our kids to have friends. We want to have friends like we need people in our lives. And I think like the the fatigue um, from having done this now for two months kind of scorched earth mixed with the no one telling us what's next and also knowing that this is going to be going on for quite some time, people are just starting to do what they're going to do. And I would much rather we had real guidelines because then I feel like at least I can say, okay, so that's not safe. I won't do that. But this is relatively safe, understanding that there's no such thing as 100% safe. And that was never really supposed to be what most of these um, restrictions were about. It was never really supposed to be like, we're going to eradicate coronavirus. I mean, I don't remember that even being part of the conversation. There were different, there were different um, things they were trying to achieve. Benchmarks kind of. Different benchmarks. Right. So like, just to kind of like piggyback on what you're saying. So I live 40 minutes from a state that is opening. Like I want to say today, like restaurants opened last week at 50% capacity. And like, I think pretty much everything's opening up. So in Michigan, we're much more conservative. Um, but we're not in a particularly hard hit area of Michigan yet. And we're hearing now that November is going to be when we peak. So it's kind of like, are we all just going to hang out waiting until after November? And or are we all going to run for the border and go get our haircut go to the restaurants? <laughs> and I don't know, like, I don't know the right thing to do because 40 minutes away, there's someone saying it's OK to do this thing here. It's not. And I don't really care about getting my hair done, honestly, or going out to eat right now. But I would very much like to see my friends and family. I Mm -hmm. would very much like my kids to have some semblance of a normal life again, Mm -hmm. because it does sound like we're in this for the long haul. So I guess this is just our complaining, but also acknowledging how hard this is and how how inconsistent the advice is. I read two different articles yesterday that kind of ranked like it was kind of the articles were um, Basically, as things open up, here are the things that you can do that are the least risk. And here are the things that are like the highest risk. And the two articles didn't even agree. Mm, Like one of them was saying, like, if you're on a trail and there's somebody too close to you, don't really worry about running around them super fast because the chances that there's going to be a viral load that they exhale while you're inhaling and passing is super low. And then a different article was like, you know, keep your masks on and stay six feet away from each other, even on trails, which I don't know if you've hiked a trail lately, but that's not very possible. So I just, it feels, very, um, arbitrary sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, and some people's risk tolerance is higher than others. Mm -hmm. And for people who have low risk tolerance, I think the idea is do all of the things for as long as you have to. And then for people who are like, I just, I want to see my sister again, like Mm -hmm. what, how do I make this work? Um, maybe they're willing to make other choices And then yet those two people can't agree because no one is like, there's just not a lot of guidance. There's not a lot of guidance. And as you said, kind of at the beginning of this, we're coming out of a time where there was a higher degree of agreement and unity. Mm -hmm. And we're heading into a time where it feels very much all over the place. And if you're listening to this and we sound like really extreme in one direction or the other, um, I think it's worth acknowledging that there's so much to local and I mean hyper-local, like when I look out my window, I can see the choices my neighbors are making. I can yeah. see the percentage of people who walk wearing masks in my neighborhood, the people who let their kids play and the people who don't let their kids play with other houses. And so we all, like, I just want to acknowledge that I know all of you listening live all over the world. So we're very much influenced by our peers. And, and after the break, we'll get into like how that makes us feel. Um, but at least I feel grateful, Megan, that you and I have two different states to compare to. And I, I chat regularly with my girlfriends in Arizona. Um, and you know, my sister lives on the Kansas, Missouri border. Like I, I think I personally feel grateful for having that context because it's amazing how, oh, and Kelsey on our team lives in West Virginia, just very different states. Um, and so Mm -hmm. 
I, I guess I'm always grateful for that because it's so easy to assume that what you see in your immediate bubble is the same for everybody everywhere. So just wanted to throw that out there. And and just to also throw in that when you see people ranting um, on Facebook because they were, say, like on a walking path and they saw somebody without a mask and it made them mad. Like, it's really easy for me to take that super personally because I don't wear a mask when I walk my dog. I don't. I don't either. But what I'm looking out, first of all, in my state that has not been like they're not asking us to do that unless we're in a more concentrated right. place. And I live in a really non-dense place. So I can easily walk my dog and not see another human or cross the street. Like there's no, I'm never at any point coming even within 10 or 15 feet of another person. So for me so far, it hasn't felt necessary. That doesn't mean I won't change my mind later, yep. but sometimes it's hard to read stuff and not feel like people are yelling at you. Yeah. And really maybe they're yelling about something happening in their community that you don't Yes. know about or you're not experiencing. I'm really trying hard to keep that in mind. Yes. It's not always easy. I agree. I, I agree. And I am the same because I have basically, when I walk my dog in my neighborhood, I have personally made six feet into about 18 feet. I don't get right, exactly. like, because I can, I'm not actually on hiking trails and I'm not in any like public, like, like where a lot of people go to hike. I'm walking neighborhood right. streets and I just cross the street or go in a wide berth. If I if I got into a position where I felt like it was going to be six or fewer frequently, I probably would. And I think that's kind of the norm around here. Um, but I agree. I agree with you. Like it, it just depends on where you are and what um, the recommendations are and also what the social norms are where you are. So, Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor Meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor Meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code MOMHOUR50 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Okay, so Sarah, you and I had a long series of Voxer conversations <laughs> um, last week when we were kind of setting up like delicately setting up the premise for this episode, because I have to say it feels a little vulnerable, even talking about this stuff, like yep. even admitting that maybe we're making choices not everybody is, or that we maybe aren't the most extreme or doing it right, like doing social distancing mm -hmm. the most right that could ever be done. Um, it's scary right now. It's scary to put out there. And so I think what I, what I kept coming back to is that I'm finding myself in this weird place where I got past a lot of those 
early motherhood moments where you don't feel confident in the choices that you're making. And then you figure out how to feel confident. Like it takes time. It's that muscle memory we talk about all the time. But right now, even the most confident parent who normally feels great about assessing risk and then making choices for their family and their kids and their best interests, like that ability has been stripped away. Mm -hmm. Um, We can't do that right now because we don't know. We don't know how to assess this risk. This is, I keep joking about the word unprecedented because everyone keeps saying everything's unprecedented, but truly this is unprecedented. And when we're anxious and fearful and uncertain, it becomes easy to latch onto our version of the rules as the only way. And I feel like this is a total parallel between this time feels just like when I had a new baby. Like I was thrown into something I didn't know how to do. There was a loss of confidence. I wanted to do it right. I wanted to do it righter than anybody else. Um, Because if I knew I was doing it right, if I felt like I was doing it right, sometimes that meant the other way had to be wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Like that was something, whether it was feeding or diapering or nap schedules or anything like that, it's really easy to fall into that, that pattern when your kids are little. And those are all important choices, by the way. Like, you know, what you feed your baby and how and where they sleep and when, and those are important things for your family. Um, and yet I think that we've seen that there are many ways to do it right within the context of new motherhood. Yeah. Um, it takes time. It takes time. And the reason we were able to come out of that new mom phase and recognize that there are many different versions of one right way is that people have been having babies and raising babies forever and ever. And we haven't had coronavirus (laughs) ever before. So the feeding is a great example. Like, Okay, let's say you breast or bottle feed for the first six months. That's fine. There was, you know, you figured that out and now it's time to start solids. Well, the AAP now has public health guidelines for how to introduce and what to feed your baby when starting solids. And notice I I skipped over the whole first thing, which is like has, has had its own cycles of information as well. But like starting solids in the 22 years you've been a mom and the 12 years I've been a mom, the the AAP recommendations have swung pretty wildly about what, yes. when, and how to introduce solid foods to your baby, which would be very confusing to new moms trying to navigate that. What we had, the benefit of what we had, luckily, and new moms have is other mothers who've done it, who said, you know, mm. um, my baby never liked the rice cereal. I skipped it and they turned out fine. Or like back in my day, as Amy and Margaret mm-hmm. like to say, that was a what fresh hell reference. Like back in my day, we, you know, introduced solid food at three months and everyone turned out fine. And you have all this anecdotal evidence that while while the AAP guidelines are there with the most current science and evidence-based information, and they serve an incredibly important public health role. At the same time, we are able to navigate our own baby's introduction to solids through a little bit of trial and error and, you know, some anecdotal evidence. And it's not, we're not, it's not life or death, right? It's introducing solids. So I feel like we, we're back in that place. Only we don't have the other moms to turn to. We don't have the anecdotal, like last time we got coronavirus, (laughs) like this is what worked. There's nobody's telling us that. So it's like, as a society, we are that vulnerable new mom almost. We are. That is a really great way of putting it. And we don't really understand the risk either. Like we don't really understand our family's actual risk of becoming ill, you know, um, seriously ill. That is all also a big question mark. Mm-hmm. So like, it's not quite, it's not apples to apples because we know that most babies, regardless of what they're fed or how are going to turn out fine. And we don't know that about society right, right. now. We don't know that. Right. So it's like, it's not, it's an imperfect, um, it's an imperfect comparison. However, a lot of parents are legitimately worried about their kids' mental health, mm-hmm. um, social development, and and the long-term effects of what all this is doing as well. So it's not really fair to have it be kind of this like, just suck it up buttercup and deal with it for two years because it might save some lives. Like there are a lot of things that we do um, that aren't always for everyone's best. I don't know how to say that without sounding crass, but like we all get in cars and drive every day, even though we know it's not in everyone's best interest to drive. Like that's just one thing, right? So it becomes this sort of like, like we're comparing apples and oranges, but we don't even know how big and heavy the apples and oranges are. Yeah. It's more like swing sets and I don't know, <laughs> like elephants or something. It's just like completely uncomparable things that we're still 
trying to put through our mental processes that we currently have, which yeah. can't really allow for and, this. <laughs> and so. like you said, when you're in that position, you cling to what's right for you. And it almost has to equate that everyone else is doing it wrong. And that's where I think right. we end up in this place of um, judgment on the one hand and feeling guilt or shame or sheepishness on the other hand. Yes. And um, I am a little bit sad about that just in general right now, because mm-hmm. I don't know how to solve it. But I, I feel like if anyone, if anyone can up the empathy factor right now, it is moms. Yeah. Yeah. So Sarah, let's talk about this, this judgment. Um, because like you acknowledged early in the show, some of it is reasonable. It is reasonable to sometimes feel judgy when people are doing things that you think are unsafe or uh, especially when they are unsafe for other people. Um, sometimes I think it can become irrational (laughs) and sometimes it can become kind of hypocritical. And I want to touch on that because I think we all have blind spots. I definitely have a blind spot for my own behavior. Um, I think that's a very, it's very common. And it's one of the reasons I rarely rant about anything online, because I know the minute I do that, I have probably dipped my toe in some like hypocrisy Mm -hmm. because there's probably something I've done that somebody else would complain about. Right. So like, I just don't ever want to be that person. Um, but I think right now, a lot of people feel like being out there with their opinions or judgment is actually helping. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that can make things awkward because I think unless you live off the grid and don't even know this is happening right mm-hmm. now, no one is in a bubble. Like right. everybody is making some kind of choice. Some people haven't gone to the store in a month. Some people go every week. Right. Like, so, you know, like um, some people go out to get takeout restaurant food because they like supporting a local restaurant. Some people think that's unsafe. So there's a lot of different places, like even just within acquiring food, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's a lot of different choices people are making. But if we expand that into how people are socializing, I remember um, a few weeks ago, I think I shared with you, someone was passing around this meme. It got very, it got shared a lot. And it was like, no, like, no, you're not allowed to do these things. Is it better if we put it in color code? blah, blah, blah. And it it kind of made me a little stabby. But the thing that made me the most stabby about it was that literally the things this person was saying you can't do were actually the things we had been told we could do. Mm -hmm. So it was like no social gatherings, even if you're outside, even if it's six feet apart. I'm like, wait, but that was literally what we were told we could do. Like, and at the time, I think this was before things had shifted. I guess my point is that I don't know that anyone is actually doing any of this as perfectly as they would like to believe they are, myself included. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the problem is that everyone's making little micro choices and nano choices that maybe are a little outside the norm or aren't things they'd brag about. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem. No one's talking about it. Like no one's talking publicly. The, the public feelings that you're getting or the public assertions you're getting are all about doing it right mm-hmm. and perfectly and scorched earth. Mm -hmm. And then all of these micro choices that people are making, they're kind of hiding them. And I'm seeing it happen everywhere. And just like you said, you can literally see it happening. Yes. So I don't know how we rectify those two things. Well, and I think one way is to start by remembering that the outward behavior you're seeing from other people is like that diagram of the iceberg, you know, where little bits above the water and there's a whole bunch below. So I had this conversation that is going to air on the Pandemic Perspective series in a couple of weeks with a woman named Allison who leads a congregation. She's a minister. Um, and when I asked her that final question about um, just what, what do you want other moms to understand, I'm going to borrow from her. And she just asked that we have empathy for the decision makers. And when she was talking about it, she was actually talking about business leaders and faith leaders and government leaders and anybody in a position to have to decide do we open? Do we close? Do we fire staff or do we try to keep them right. on? Do we apply for the PPP loan or are we not technically qualified? Do we give back the PPP money? Because two weeks ago we we were in a different like the decisions that um, leaders are facing and even leaders you disagree with um, are big and lack yes. precedent. And I want to extend that. I thought that was very powerful. Um, and such a like a beautiful thing to think about, especially if you sometimes carry anger toward certain people in authority in your state or your community <laughs> or your yes. country. It, like empathy kind of dissolves all that. And 
I think we can extend that all the way down to the family unit that um, let's use teenagers, for example, because you brought that up. And I, in my community, have seen teenagers in all kinds of situations. Now, I don't even have teenagers, so that really puts me like not in a position to cast stones, but I've seen them in cars with each other heading out. Um, I've seen them outdoors working out together. Um, I don't know the dynamics in that home and the, the, the process that went into a decision or maybe a lack of decision um, about why and how those older kids or teenagers are out in the world. But I don't have to agree, but I can empathize with the mom who is living with teenagers in a pandemic and is being faced with decisions that I don't have the full context to appreciate or being faced with a situation where she may not even feel like she can make a decision. So um, I think starting with empathy and a constant reminder that we don't know the whole story. And I would extend that to people listening to this podcast. We're only, we can only cover 45 minutes or an hour of our thoughts today. And not every single thing we say may land right with you. Um, But you also don't have the full background of each of us. I mean, I think if we can each come to each other, appreciating that we don't have the full story, um, it's a step, but it's really hard. It is really hard. And I, I mean, to your point about like teenagers, I've been amazed at how readily mine have stayed home. (laughs) I don't know how much longer, I mean, we're getting to beach season here in Michigan and I don't know how much longer a I can force a six foot three, you know, person who outweighs me by many pounds um, to stay in the house. I mean, that's like the whole point. And it's not that they're it's not that they're bad people. They're kids like they're they're set up to be self um, focused right. and to care about what their peers think more than they care about what I think right. and to find ways to thwart rules. Like that is what a teenager is wired to do. Right. And so it drives me particularly crazy when I see people ranting about teenagers. Cause I'm like, what do you think you would have been doing when you were 16? And would your mom even have known? Right. Like, right. You know, so it's, I, yeah, you're right. Like there's things that, and I think the more outwardly we focus and the more we allow what other people are doing to make us angry mm-hmm. or upset mm-hmm. us or to shape the narrative in our heads about the state of humanity in general. Um, the more we kind of miss the point and then the more we set ourselves up to never really feel satisfied or confident in our own yeah. choices. It's like we at some point have to look like we can we can take in as much information as we can and um, enough recommendations as we can and run them through our very limited mental filters. But then at some point we have to look inward and we have to say, look, I have this kid who has this need that has now been it's one thing that's two months. Is this going to be two years of this need not being met? And if yeah. not, how do I get this need met? And I think we have to be both global and community focused, but we also have to look at our little unit because that's our job. Yeah. You know, and I think, yeah, and we're not mom of the world. Oh yeah, that's good. (laughs) And and I think when we're talking about making these allowances, going back to the, my frustration about there being a lack of conversation around this, we're not talking about ripping off the mask and holding a concert in our driveway. (laughs) We're talking about making small allowances that actually still adhere to social distancing guidelines. So let me just give an example. And here's another thing I'm noticing. I'm noticing a kind, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but a sort of camaraderie or like kinship when you discover that other families have made similar choices to yours. And it goes right back to the new mom days. So like, you know, when you'd pull out like a bag of goldfish or something at a party and you look around to see like, okay, are these like Annie's organic crackers moms or are these straight up goldfish moms? And you're kind of like, like, can I let my guard down? Are these moms who, you know, hand their phone to a screaming toddler in the grocery store? Like, okay, she's my people. Like I don't feel judged because I see other people making the same human choices. And I'm seeing that a little bit now. And, and I hope we get to a place where we can see it more and start to validate each other. But for example, I have another birthday coming up. Um, if I decided on my driveway to space three kids, 15 feet apart each in masks and have them bring their own cupcake, I think that fully adheres to social distancing guidelines as far as I know. Although I think we're still not supposed to leave our house and gather with other people. So maybe not. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like yeah. No. From it's a public very health unclear. standpoint yeah. and from a transmission risk standpoint, I, I feel like you can go above and beyond to adhere and you're still like, 
yeah, but is this okay? Am I, al- but yeah, right, am I exactly. allowed to do this? Um, and, and to be totally honest, I am considering some kind of massively distant masked three person gathering of 10 year old boys, but I haven't made that decision yet. And like, and if people knew about it or saw it, would they think I was overacting in one direction or the other? I'm sure they right. would have opinions. So um, it is, it's not going to, we have to practice how we handle these situations because this part could be going on for a very long time. And that's the part that's very much like new motherhood, because once you've figured out how to feed solids, guess what? Like preschool starts. And now you've got to like, you know, like figure out if your kid's a biter and like how not to judge the mom whose kid is the biter and like it never ends. So. Well, that Sarah, I mean, so the fact that you're, you're sitting here like agonizing over whether to have a extremely socially distant birthday party in your driveway and right now there are people sitting in restaurants. <laughs> right. Yes. That's less crazy. than 15 feet apart from each other. And I bet they take their masks off when they eat. And that's so, legal. Like, and it's legal. And it's not even just legal, but it's like we all kind of know that's what we're heading toward right. with that sector. Like, right. I mean, and we can get into inconsistencies all day, but it's driven like the idea that we could still walk into a business and pick up, um, carry out food while we were supposed to be staying at home for everything else drove me. It made the part of my brain that wants that. First of all, as a contrarian, I yeah. have those rebellious contrarian tendencies. And so this last two months has been really hard for me because while I've adhered to the rules at every step, I'm like, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, yeah but why can I do this? And not that I'm like, I'm just like the questioner who probably makes everybody crazy. Um, but I think the lack of logic in my brain has been very hard to reconcile. Like, why can I do this and not that? Sure. How am I actually putting anyone at risk by doing this? But I, you know, but this thing is actually like totally okay to do, but I actually think this thing is more risky. And I mean, it does come down to, it's almost like, um, you know, there's public health decisions that are made that we know sometimes don't really apply to our individual families but it's an easy way to get messaging to everybody. Yeah. Like it's an easier way for and, those decision makers. And it's an makers. important way. Right. It's an important way. It's an important and easy. Like it just simplifies it. Like don't do this because if we say you can only do this if you fall under this criteria, then everyone's going to start fudging and yeah. no one's going to, it's going to be unclear and no one's going to know. So there's a part of my brain that knows that, that that's why this is a necessary part of managing public. Mm-hmm. And that's why those decision makers are in such an impossible place and then there's the part of my brain that's like, yeah, but what about me? Right. What, what about the way we do things? And not in like a selfish way, I, I hope, although I think everyone is a little more selfish <laughs> that we always yeah. like to give ourselves um, credit for. But like, it's more in a like, I don't understand this. It doesn't make sense to me kind of way. Yeah. And then when something doesn't make sense and it goes on for a really long time, the fatigue sets in and the motivation starts to wane. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, and I think sitting with our own uncertainty um, is another thing that feels a lot like early motherhood. And one thing that happens is it's very easy to assume we're the only ones wrestling with some of these questions mm. and that everybody else is either number one, following the guidelines to a letter because you either you don't really hear about you know, you don't hear about the middle. You see people who seem to be flouting the guidelines and you hear about the saints who are following everything to a letter. You don't you don't see the middle. And so what we tend to assume is that everyone else has made their peace with their decision and you're the only one with questions. And I think that's another fallacy that's worth uh, like unraveling a little bit here is the behavior you see out in your community um, might have come at a at a after much long debate might have been a really hard decision. Mm -hmm. It might have been the first time they've been out. That might be the first bike ride they have let their kid have in two months. and. And it's so easy to assume that everybody else has it figured out and has a plan. And I just don't think that's the case. So when when we can acknowledge that all of us are dealing with the uncertainty, many of us will change our minds, right? It's it's a little nerve-wracking mm-hmm. even to publish a podcast episode like this because I'm I'm pre-cringing listening to this in two months. I don't know if if the decisions we're talking about or the or the language you're we're using we'll look back and have changed our minds about, I have changed my mind about a lot of things, Megan, in the last <laughs> two months. Yes. Um, and that's a yes. humbling human experience. Yes. So if you can remind yourself that other people 
have also changed their mind. They maybe were permissive and decided they needed to crack down. They maybe were so locked down that they were really, really suffering and decided to make some allowances that were still within guidelines. I mean, it just nobody knows how to do this. And so it's a fallacy to think everybody you're seeing has made a clear cut choice. I guess that's what I'm thinking. Whether you're seeing somebody you want to judge because they're, you know, hanging out with a whole party in their driveway, or you're seeing the person who's masked just by walking their dog, either extreme, um, they may not have it figured out any more than you do. You're just seeing one tip of the iceberg decision. Yeah. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest. I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day, and it could seriously use a refresh. But you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately, the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown Loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Bionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's Chewable Kids Vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, so this episode has been a little negative so far, which isn't, <laughs> isn't well, our usual it's, thing. It's just been real, some real talk. Yeah, some real talk. But I think, you know, we're... We're coming to the end of May. The school year, as whatever it looks like for you right now, is going to wrap up. And I do believe that for right or for wrong, there's definitely going to be some loosening of our individual abilities to make decisions for our own families. And by that, I mean, I think most states are at some point soon going to relax a lot of restrictions and then we're going to be faced with with the actual decision making around legal things. Like right now, everything we're talking about is like, you know, not legal yet in a lot of places, mm -hmm. but soon it will be. And so I actually think this is a little bit hopeful in a way that pretty soon some of these things that feel so uncertain, there's at least going to start to seem like some choices we're seeing made more publicly, yes. or maybe we can all back off a little bit from taking our cues from people online that we don't really know. And we can start taking our cues from people we do know in real life. And then mm, trust I like that. And trust. Um, so I just thought we could name a few things that we're really uncertain about, but that are going to become more clear soon because they have to. <laughs> because right. I think it'll like make us feel a little bit better. And notice maybe. you did not say back to normal. Nope. But the next, at least moving in the next phase, which, you know, the let's, next thing would be not what we're doing now, but something not normal, but something new, something yeah. different. And I think yeah. this is a great time to talk about it. And again, 
the future could come back to bite us here. But March, mid-March to mid-May was a time of very little change. Other than, you know, the last couple of weeks, there's been some states and some counties starting to open up and that's made big news. But in general, it was a was a holding period. And I agree that we're moving into something else, even if the something else we're not quite sure. And it won't necessarily look like pre-March. But yeah. And and we may go back. Yep. You know, it's very likely that we will experience another period like March to May. Like mm-hmm. that's probably going to happen. But if we can get a reprieve from that, even if it's a slight reprieve, I do think that's something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. So um, one of those things is like, what is school going to look like in the fall? We've got several, Sarah, I don't know what it looks like there, but in Michigan, um, at least in our district, they are, they are kind of tossing around a few different ideas. One being um, they'll go back with like, um, smaller class sizes. So some kids will go like on a day, some kids will go on B day and then they'll have online or virtual. Mm -hmm. Um, the rest of the time there is talk of just starting virtually and sticking with that as long as we have to. Um, there was some talk about kids staying with their same teachers from this year instead of trying. And, and that, I mean, I have a kid moving into middle school. Yeah. You have, you have a transition kid. I don't have anybody making a big transition this year, which is amazing. Yeah. Owen is going into high school. So, um, there was talk about them just keeping at least the elementary school kids going into middle, keeping their fifth grade teacher. Because How would that work though? I mean, isn't I, it well, a totally different school? It is, but yeah. like, can you imagine no. a sixth grade class trying to learn how to be a middle school student online. with six different teachers yeah. online? I just, I mean, I think they're, they're I think what I've been most, um, reassured by is everyone's willingness to do whatever, mm-hmm. like to totally shake things up for the, the sake of the kids and to make it, even if maybe like, even if maybe the learning isn't as awesome as it could be, or, or like there's a little bit of a lag there just to make sure they're taken care of. I just mm-hmm. think is really important. And fifth to sixth grade is a huge jump. And I just, I just don't see it working online. I just, yeah. it's, it's a lot to keep track of, even for kids who've been doing it for three years. Do you know, you know? when your community will know for sure? This is another thing that was really, as school was wrap is wrapping up here I just was feeling very down about the fall because it well there's still lots of scenarios out there for the fall but the fact that I'm afraid we won't know what fall will look like till like yeah my guess is like mid-July I yeah and and just because of the nature of this thing and I've been I've been very good with the not knowing Megan it's hard for me and I've made peace with it but something about that was just like such a bummer um and it's not so much the bummer that school will look different in the fall is that we won't even know. And these are for, for sure privilege, problems of privilege. I, I understand that. But it, um, I'm curious when you think you'll know. Well, I will say that our governor has been very circumspect about when we'll know anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, ours... we don't that we get no guarantees. It's basically like tune in. Our current <laughs> executive order is supposed to end on May 28th. And it's kind of like tune in on May 27th. And I'm telling you what's going to happen next. Yeah. Like That's really how it's been so far. Um. And with schools, oh my gosh, if you think about it, like the, I mean, Jenna is a teacher, they're in contract negotiations right now. Yeah. They haven't set a calendar for next year. So there are so many decisions that have to be made even outside of the state guidelines, like the teachers union and all that stuff that is going to affect all this. I think it's very likely we won't know for a while. For a while. I think you're probably right. I think July seems, yeah, seems actually maybe even a little bit. Well, we start, we would start August 18th. Oh, you would start in August. So yeah, I was thinking until... like a month before we start, maybe four or five weeks before we start. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm guessing we'll know by the end of July. That's kind of what I'm thinking, but who knows? It's, it's, it also depends what happens in the state because our state, I don't know about yours, but there's a plan laid out that's very specific about what has to happen yes. for us to move from phase to phase. Yeah. And so if those things don't happen, maybe a plan that we would have had will then get backtracked. So I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the answer. Um, and that's not something I have any control over. So I'm trying to focus on things I can control and school is not one of them. Right. So like, I just know there'll be something, mm-hmm. there will be school in the fall. And uh, that's about all I've got. And can um, we just yeah. um, really quickly thank the teachers again? Like yes, I, the teachers. they just, they ha- haven't skipped a beat. Like they just, the, nobody, this was not in teacher training, like not no. <laughs> or disaster preparedness. We prepare for earthquakes and, you know, yeah. active shooters. That's pretty much it out here. Um, nobody, nobody prepared for this. So 
I, again, I have a lot of empathy for the decision makers. And in this case, the decision makers are, you know, county boards of ed and school boards and principals and Mm -hmm. governors and everybody in the education system, because it's so much bigger than my three kids and our little school. There's so education. uh, Yeah. There's so many moving Uh, parts that all have to line up. And that, I mean, like I was thinking about this, you know, you can't just reduce class size. No in a school that's at capacity that doesn't work. So then what? Like, you know, so there's just like there's so many things that have to be considered. Um, feeding kids is still a consideration. Like yeah. there's just I have seen things come together very quickly and teachers really learn on like, you know, while it was happening mm-hmm. in real time, while also, by the way, going through the same pandemic with their families that right. everybody else is going right. through and all of the, you know, the, the sort of shell shock feeling you can get that just stuns you and you don't. You yeah. know, you can't get stuff done um, yeah. <laughs> because they had to. And yeah. so there's and they yeah. will have to. And this summer, they may not know what the fall is going to look like either. I don't think teachers find out. Yeah. I mean, a little before the rest of us, probably. But when nobody yeah. knows, nobody can know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, another thing that I think is going to be uh, is going to be a thing for a lot of people really soon is that as the economy opens back up, child care is going to become a thing yep. again. Right. And people are going to have to judge their, their feelings about the risk, assess the risk um, of their kids going to daycare. We heard from a listener um, in our Facebook group who was talking about trying to get her almost three-year-old okay with leaving a mask on. And I just had, I didn't laugh at her. It was a rueful chuckle. Like, like one of those, oh yeah, a baby in a mask. Like how, how is this going to work? How are the teachers going to do that? Like, it's just to think about that is mind boggling. And so again, you know, thank you to the teachers yeah. who are going to keep three-year-olds who don't want to keep hats on their heads or shoes on their feet yeah. with masks on their yeah. face. So it's just, these are things that, but at the same time, it's not going to look normal, but at some point people will be able to at least decide for themselves whether their child's going to go to childcare yeah. or not. Yeah. So they can go back to work. I mean, yeah. at least that feels like you have some yeah. And power. Don't, don't you yeah. notice, I'm starting to notice that, you know, we all get the same emails, like hope you're I hope this email finds you well during this unprecedented time. I'm starting to notice a shift in businesses and places of interest um, talking about the specific measures that they will be required to do when things open back up. It's not, it's starting to be not an if, but a when we got ours from the Taekwondo studio. Oh my gosh. I would love for my older two kids to be physically active again. It's another thing that, you know, when we were talking about six or eight weeks, it's like, okay, cool. Be a couch potato. Let's all lower our standards a bit. When you start to think, you know, not eight weeks, but eight months or 18 months, then it's like, just like we've been saying this entire episode, there's got to be, there's got to be considerations for physical and social and mental health within the confines of, of public health. So I'm, I'm encouraged to start to see these businesses um, when they are allowed to open back up and ours, ours haven't for the most part, but like, here is exactly what we will do. And kudos to them because these small business owners have to find a way to follow these rules, you know, that they didn't yeah. know that they were going to have to do. So that's a good one. Um, camping and vacations. Um, that's a top of mind for a lot of people right yeah. now. Um, in Michigan, all state parks and campgrounds are closed. Like all public, you know, lands are mm-hmm. closed to camping through, um, the end of May, at least they're actually saying it probably be, would be end of June before they could get cleaned up and ready mm-hmm. to actually host people. I have a feeling vacation rentals will open back up yeah, and I that was gonna, you'll be allowed to go on. Vacation. Okay. So I was going to jump in on that because I have all these very close friends in Arizona, right? And in Arizona in the summer, like people, people rely, they live for their one week or their, right. or their 10 days at the beach. And they, a lot of them have vacation rentals set up or they just shop around and find something that's affordable. And I mean, to tell people in 115 degree heat that they can't leave. Um, And so they, when I talked to them a couple of weeks ago, they were hopeful that there would be some vacation rentals and they mostly come here to California. Um, And I said, I don't know, is that going to be allowed? I I don't know. Um, But Maybe there will be, I mean, I'm sure that the vacation rental industry wants to open up um, oh, and gosh, when, yes. yeah. when they're allowed to, and when the cleaning protocols are in place, then you get in your car, you drive somewhere and you observe social distancing once you're there, question mark again, like I would assume so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's all just like, it's all just kind of a question mark. Um, interestingly, we have a, there's a, so vacation rentals have been shut down here 
for nearly two months. I think those got shut down like in the second wave of restrictions. So like early April, maybe or late March. Um, but you can still, there's a site called hip camp where people basically let you camp on their property. Oh, that's kind of And those people are allowed to do it. And I think it's because you have no contact with anybody. It would be like me showing up and pitching my tent in someone's backyard. And Basically. so there's no shared facilities. Like, so the, no the, the rangers don't have to manage the bathrooms and things yeah, like that. It's like yeah. rustic camping. Um, it's like rustic camping on someone else's property. Interesting. So I did know just out of curiosity, I was wondering if that was going to be, I don't know, something that was an option mm-hmm. if campgrounds don't open up and probably private campgrounds are probably ready to go as soon as the call is made. I'm sure they will open up, but at least, you know, Whereas a month ago, my kids kept saying, are we going to do our usual trip this year? Are we going to go camping? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. At least now I feel like I can say, well, there'll within some capacity, we will be able to go pitch a tent somewhere. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what that means. It's not going to look like it looked last year. I don't know that we'll do a big family gathering this year. Like, I just don't know. I really, really hope so. That's the one time every year that I see my brother's family and we all get together. But like, Maybe that's not going to, our family is enormous. We would be breaking all, like all the small gathering rules. um, Unless we literally just like all stayed in our own sites and and, like, I guess gathered around and waved at each other. Like that's not going to work, you know? So I I, I don't know that. And I don't want it to be worse. I don't want to get together and then have the kids have to act so different with each other that it's worse than if we just skipped it. So those are all considerations, but I do at least feel like there will be some kind of vacation at some point in the future, what, whatever that ends up looking like. And, um, I think I have started saying similar things to my kids about a lot of things, which is, I think things are going to start to get better. I just don't know exactly how, like, I just like, that's the best I can do. Um, we actually had a telehealth visit with a pediatrician the other day, which was kind of a cool experience, um, as a side note of just like receiving telemedicine. Um, but one of the offhand things she mentioned was that she does think that small play dates and probably I'm guessing probably outdoor and probably not sharing any surfaces are not too far away. And my first question, and I didn't ask her is who's going to tell me that's okay. Like who's, who's going to be the government body. Who's going to say, now you can set up a governor Newsom. Yeah. It's not going (laughs) to get up there in one of his things and be like, Sarah powers, you now can have a couple of kids in your backyard as long as no, you know, nobody has a fever. I, I'm very curious. I would love actually pediatrician. And I know we have pediatricians listening and family, family medicine doctors. Um, I would love like if my pediatrician or my pediatrician's office sent out like an email of like, here's, here's our guidelines for like how families can stay safe this summer and see their friends. Like I'm, I'm just right. uh, clearly the theme of this episode is Sarah needs someone to tell her when it's okay. What to do. Um, but well, I, and, but I thought it was interesting. Well, she said that, that and she said yeah. it specifically to my nine-year-old that she said, you know, pretty soon you're going to start to be able to see your friends. And I was like, really? Okay. <laughs> tell me more. Well, and, and maybe if, and I, and we need to wrap up, but, it, but maybe the, the request that I would humbly make of all people out there is that if you don't know for sure someone can't do something, then maybe it's okay just to not comment. Like, mm. do you know what I mean? Like, if you don't know for sure that it's not okay for someone to make that choice for themselves, maybe we've all heard enough of people yelling at each other mm. and it's time for us to figure out ways to make this livable for everybody. And mm-hmm. that is probably going to mean some people are just making choices that you won't. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't have to be something we all register and like we register our official opinion with like, you know, the, the bank of Facebook mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> about because, because this is not going away and we're right. all going to have to live in these communities together. When we all come out of our houses again, like blinking in the sun, like a bunch of mole rats or something mm-hmm. like we have to, these are the people that our kids are going to go to school with and that we're going to still know for a long time. Yeah. And what can we do to show that empathy and I guess just make it just make it a place where we all kind of understand that we're all doing the best that we can. I love that. And remembering, too, that there's a first time for the most risk averse among us and the more risk tolerant among us. Every everybody is going to have that first time that they invite a friend to go on a walk or that they have a play date at their house or that they take their kids out to a more public place like I don't even know what would be 
open. We we don't go anywhere yet. But it's everybody's going to do that for the first time. Even the people who are staying home the longest, there's no magic way or magic date that it's going to be okay. It's going to feel human and unsure for everybody for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And thanks for being part of this community where we can, you know, talk about the hard things and kind of acknowledge this gray area a little. Hey, if you loved this episode or if you have a bone to pick with us, send us an email. We do love hearing from you. It's very rare that somebody just, you know, sends us a Complains hate. at us. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> it happens. But more often we engage in dialogue with you all. Um, and we'd love to hear from you no matter no matter what you think. So send us an email. Hello at the And if you're new to the podcast and you haven't just written to say hello, please do so. We love it when you email and introduce yourself. We love to hear who you are and where you're listening from. And just, yeah, email to say, hey, it's hello at themomhour.com. And we'll be back with you this coming Sunday with another Pandemic Perspectives episode. And then, of course, again next Tuesday, as always. So we'll talk to you then. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.